0: Let me pray for us. And then that's what I want to spend our time and attention on this morning. Let's pray first. Our Lord, would it be true of us this morning that we would for the first time or that we would for the thousandth millionth time come to you? Lord, would you let us know our hearts this morning and, and, Be sober about our burdens. To be sober about the ways that our idols' yokes are heavy. The ways that they steal life. And yet, Lord, the way that you do the exact opposite. That you are the one that not only loves us, but that you free us to love you, to love our neighbor that you are the one that fulfills us. Lord, I pray that we would find your yoke this morning, your yoke of love, and that we would know it to be easy. Lord, you alone can do this work in us by your spirit, and we ask for it. we pray these things with Christ in your name. Amen. I want to start this morning just asking the question, what's the, the best or greatest invitation you've ever received? For me, what jumps out is 2008. I was uh, doing RUF in states, the states Board of Georgia, Georgia Southern, and we had a connection. We had a lot of students from Augusta, so we had a lot of connections to the masters. And this one student in particular, I think it was 2008. I was doing a college Sunday school class, and they reached out maybe the Friday before I was slated to teach, and they said, "Hey, last minute I know, but I've got Sunday ticket. I've got a Sunday ticket for you. My dad does." And you know, do you want to come with us? And I think it was one of those uh, Tiger Phil Sundays. And I said no <laughs> because I had to teach Sunday school. Like this is where you learn as a campus minister. That was a should have been a hard yes because you could just find a sub for Sunday school. But I said no as a young, as a younger campus minister, and uh, <laughs> still regret it. I'll be real. <laughs> I think this invitation this morning is the true greatest invitation that you and I have ever received. It's the invitation from our Lord himself to come and find rest in him. And it's the one that, because of the complicatedness and sinfulness of our hearts, we struggle to yield. We often... Sometimes fail to respond to. And that's what I want to think about this morning. I want to think about this great invitation from Jesus. And I just want to ask three questions or think about three things. I want to think about who he invites. I want to think about what he invites us to. And then I want to think about why he invites you and me. Who he invites, what he invites us to, and why. So let's start with who. Who is it that Jesus is inviting to come to him? Here's who it's not. It's not those who have their stuff together and are feeling good about it. It's not those that seem effortless in their coolness and control. It's not those that have been near perfect in their spiritual disciplines. It's not those that have never done that. It's not those who are feeling pretty good about themselves. Here's who it is. It's those of us who are overwhelmed. Exhausted by ourselves. You ever feel that feeling? Who feel the weight of our failures. Who know the sickness of our own hearts and minds. I love the way that one commentator says it, uh, Dale Bruner, he says this. Only a certain kind of person is invited by Jesus. Jesus invites those who are having a hard time of it. Those for whom life is hard work and who feel overwhelmed. It reminds me, I was listening, uh, Dick Lucas is a great, one of the great British preachers from the 70s, 80s, 90s. He was a big influence on Tim Keller. And I was listening to a Dick, uh, Dick Lucas talk from a couple years ago. And he was sharing about this London campus ministry that was putting up signs around campus, inviting students to come And the sign simply said this. Only bad people go to heaven. (laughs) Only bad. I've always wanted to do this. I've never done this at USC. (laughs) Only bad people. uh, Only bad people go to heaven. Only those. As Jesus says. Who know their own sickness. Who know their need. For a doctor. And Jesus says. It's the sinner's. That I've come to call not the righteous. Dick Lucas continued to make the point thinking about that incredible banner <laughs> marketing. And he said, he has stayed with me for years and years. He said, you cannot be too bad for Jesus, but you can be too good for him. You cannot be too bad for Jesus, but you can be too good for him, which we know In Matthew 11 is is what Jesus has already encountered in the Pharisees and will only more. That's why one of my favorite hymns that we sing in RUF is goes like this. The only fitness he requires is to feel your need of him. When we were, my wife, Alyssa, and I were getting married, one of our first big fights, (laughs) one of the first of many, was, I can remember vividly, Alyssa will confirm this and probably, I'm sorry to trigger you this morning. I love you. But we're uh, putting together wedding invitations. I-, I grew up in a very southern family. Alyssa did not grow up in a very southern family. And my mom was insistent. Uh, we were young. But my mom was insistent that we address the invitations properly. Meaning full names. Which meant middle names, absolutely. Suffixes, yes. I'd rather die than not have that thing correct. Some of you might relate to which Alyssa, it was why I love my wife, said, Absolutely not. <laughs> and I sided with my mom, which I learned really quickly. That's how you uh, fail at marriage, is to side with your, your mom over your wife. I learned that the hard way. Um, and then we sent out the invitations as we wanted to do it, or as my wife wanted to do it, <laughs> as it goes. But if we can envision Jesus' invitation here, who is it addressed to? Mr. and Mrs. Overwhelmed. Mr. and Miss feels like a failure. Mr. and Miss feels like a complete mess. And Jesus says, come on, I have something for you. So who he invites, but then what does he invite us to? What does he invite them to Uh, He offers this strange image, right? This is a weird passage. I think for years I still wrestle with what does he mean? Because he brings up this strange image of a yoke. And I think most of you know this. But to be more specific, in Jesus' day, before cars, before tractors, there were oxen who would be roped or yoked together so they could pull a heavy load together. Good for us to remember the yoke wasn't a chain or a leash meant to bind or restrict or control or punish. The yoke, this is what we need to understand... The yoke was a way to bring together that the load might be shared. Again, one guy said it like this. A yoke is a work instrument. Thus, when Jesus offers a yoke, he offers what we might think tired workers need least. They need a mattress or a vacation, not a yoke. But Jesus realizes, and this is the point, Jesus realizes that the most restful gift he can give the tired is a new way to carry life a fresh way to bear responsibilities. And if we're being honest, part of what Jesus is naming is that we have been yoked to the wrong things. That the reason we are often so tired and weary and overwhelmed is we are yoked to our idols which make the load, which don't help us carry the load. They heap load upon load. Think about the yokes that we're prone to putting on that we struggle with in our idols, the yoke of perfectionism, where we carry the heavy load of having to be perfect in order to be loved. Or how about the yoke of approval? This is mine, one of, where we carry the heavy load of having to be liked by everyone, strangers, to feel loved. Or the yoke of performance? Where we carry the heavy load of having to have an impressive resume with enviable achievements in order to feel loved. Or the yoke of lust. Where we carry the heavy load of shame. But secretly believing this is the only place where I can find intimacy and acceptance. The yoke of being fit. Where we carry the heavy load that says unless I look a certain way weigh a certain weight then I will be worthy of love the yoke of doing Christianity the right way where we carry the heavy load of having to be disciplined and sacrificial and checking all the boxes we're supposed to check in order to feel like God would want anything to do with us uh, Jean Fleming, I've never read it better than this talking about that yoke, Jean Fleming and her little book between Walden and the whirlwind listen to the way that she talks about that heavy load of doing Christianity just the right way she says it like this she says in the 20 some years I've been a Christian I've received instruction on and been challenged to just feel this list for a second to read my Bible daily pray without ceasing do in-depth Bible study regularly memorize scripture meditate day and night Fellowship with other believers. Always be ready to give an answer to a questioning unbeliever. Give to missions and to the poor. Work as unto the Lord. Use my time judiciously. Give thanks in all circumstances. Serve the body using my gifts to edify others. Keep a clean house as a testimony. Practice gracious hospitality. Submit to my husband. Love and train my children. Disciple other women. Manage finances as a good steward. Involve myself in school and community activities. Develop and maintain non-Christian friendships stimulate my mind with careful reading, improve my health through diet and exercise, color coordinate my wardrobe or find finder color, Watch my posture, and simplify my life by baking my own bread. <laughs> and then she goes on to say, that's not the yoke of Jesus. He invites me for him to be enough for me and for me to be enough in him. And Jesus is saying to you and to me this morning that whatever the the yoke that we've been tied to and carrying, the one that's crushing us, it's time to let him just gently take it off. Because he has a yoke for us as the one who has already borne our burdens, as the one who continues to bear our burdens. And he says, my yoke is light, and my burden is easy, because I've already done all the heavy lifting for you. Come rest in my work. And I love this line, come be easy in my love. It makes me think of the band, if you're a music person. And I wish I could sing. I'm so thankful for our music team, (laughs) because our yoke would be a real struggle without y'all. But you know the band, you know the song, The Wait. It goes like this. I pulled into Nazareth, was feeling about half past dead. I just need some place where I can lay my head. Hey, mister, can you tell me where a man might find a bed? He just grinned and shook my hand. No, was all he said. Take a load off Fanny. Take a load for free. Take a load off Fanny. And, and, and... You put the load right on me. You put the load right on me. Let's close in prayer. (laughs) Let's close in prayer. But that's the invitation from Jesus is that we put the load right on him. And Jesus says, That's what I came for. That's who I am to you as your Savior. As your friend, the friend of sinner, the offer of his yoke is the offer for Jesus to be with us always in the full weight of his patience and kindness and faithfulness and love. It's not us saying, I've got this. And y'all, my pride, I don't know about you, but my pride constantly is telling me, You you should you should have this. You're forty-three years old. You should have this by now. You are into your (laughs) forties. Like, what are we doing? And that's not the voice of Jesus. That's the voice of my shame, which is the enemy of the voice of Jesus, because Jesus is saying to you and to me, I've got you. You put the load right on me. Uh, I think about we went camping. This is always, these are always fun stories to tell, because if you know me at all, you know I'm an, an avid endorsement. But we went camping with Alyssa's family, her uh, brother and sister-in-law. This was probably three years ago, COVID time. Uh, we went up to the mountains of North Carolina and my brother-in-law had brought this Eno, but the problem was the kids loved to get into the Eno together. If You know, an Eno is just a hammock that hangs between trees, and and the kids were playing in the in the in the hammock. But the little um, carabiners that that my brother-in-law Andrew had just were like kind of flimsy, kind of cheap. So the girls were in the you know, and it fell, and they all you know had different reactions. Some were like that was amazing. Some wouldn't cry. I think one wouldn't cry in an tent for a couple hours. Um, but then Andrew went to the closest camping store and came back with like the strongest carabiners that he could find that held like, you know, 5,000 pounds. And he put that thing back up and they sheepishly got back in. But I think about that because I think this is part of what Jesus is saying. Because if you're like me, something in your heart asks the question, but can you hold me? Can you hold the weight of all that I bring? Do you know why the yoke of Jesus is easy? It's because his love is strong enough to hold the full weight of all your failures, of all your shame, of all your sin, of all your mess, and not even budge. So who he invites what he invites them to, and then lastly why he invites them. And I want you just to notice one thing. Notice what Jesus says about himself. I am gentle and lowly of heart. Is that your Jesus? I think I thought about this thought experiment. If we were to go around, like in our case or case, campus, or if you were just to go Vista, Main Street, Five Points, your workplace, your neighborhood. And ask, just, just people in the street, just ask the, those that you run into, what do you think Jesus is like? I think the answers would be fascinating. And, and probably would be something like, he's a Savior, he died on the cross, uh, he was good, he loved the poor, he was an amazing teacher. But I'd put pretty good money on, no one would immediately say, he is gentle and lowly of heart. He is gentle and lowly of heart. He's gentle. That means his kindness to you and to me is big, and his patience is inexhaustible, and his eyes are full of joy, and his mouth is full of laughter, and his hands are warm in their touch, and his arms are ever ready to hold, and his tears are ready to flow at the hardest parts of your story, and his delight in you is palpable. He is gentle, and he is lowly in heart. I know he—he's not proud or arrogant or haughty. He's not a short king. Instead, he's the most approachable person we could ever meet, with a heart for the downtrodden, for the outcast, for the poor. For those who've known injustice and pain and suffering, he not only has a heart for the struggling, but is in complete solidarity with them. And we go to Jesus, and I think if you're like me, we're waiting for the scolding. And yet, what we get is the opposite. Instead of shaming us out of our sins, The Lord is inviting us to come to him and give us to give him our burdens. Is going to love us out of our sins and to love us out of our struggles. At one point later in Matthew, you know, this Jesus is rebuking the religious leaders. And he says of them, they tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. And how opposite is our Lord? Jesus moved heaven and earth to bear the full load of your sin and your shame and my sin and my shame. And he came not bringing judgment, but bearing judgment. Jesus didn't come to put us in our place but to put himself in our place because he is gentle and lowly of heart. There's a song by a Christian band called Waterdeep that's getting at the mystery and the wonder that Jesus would come in this way. Fully God, fully man. And they're wrestling with the part of his fully manness. The ways that he knows from the inside What it's like to be you and me, to live life in a fallen world. And here's what they say. They sing, why does God have to look so human? Why so of the earth and so not from above? He was supposed to look like justice and instead he looks like love. I see the dangers he'll be called to face. It makes me wonder how deliverance could come from such a fragile place. He was supposed to look like lightning and instead he looks like his mother. I guess I thought he'd be half made of God and only half made up of stuff like you and me, but he's so much baby. The other part is hard to see. He was supposed to look like victory, but there he is sleeping so peacefully, and he doesn't look like power. Oh, no, instead, he looks like me. It's the way that Dane Ortland gets it in his book where he says it like this. Meek, humble, gentle. Jesus is not trigger happy. Not harsh, reactionary, easily exasperated. He is the most understanding, let this sink in. He is the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. If we were asked to say one thing about who Jesus is, we would be honoring Jesus' own teaching if our answer is gentle and lowly. I'll close with this. There's a my brother-in-law, my, sister, my sister's husband, he's <clears throat> from New Zealand. He's real into music and he always likes to bring me around Christmas time. We do a little vacation together with my family and, and my sister and her husband come. And he brings me these magazines, music magazines. And there was one that was doing a, a special on Paul McCartney, Beatles. And it was an interview with Paul McCartney. And it was fascinating to me because the interviewer at one point asked him, what is it like to be Paul McCartney. And Paul McCartney sort of hesitates for a second and he says, "If only I could wake up in the in the morning and remember that I'm Paul McCartney." And I think there's something there for us. We have this incredible invitation from the Lord Jesus, full of grace and truth. And if only we could remember that we have a Savior who is gentle and lowly of heart, who is infinite in his affection for you and for me, and inexhaustible in his patience. Let's pray together. Our Lord, would it be so? Would you um, let our hearts rest in your heart for us this morning? Lord, I pray that you would... By the work of your spirit, by the work of your grace, uh, lead us to respond to this beautiful invitation. Whether it's to come to know you and be saved and to know you in this way for the first time. Whether it's to repent and believe the gospel afresh this morning. We need your help and grace and we pray for it. We ask these things, Lord Christ, in your name. Amen. As we come to communion, let's sing our hymn of preparation. Hymn 508, Jesus Lover of My Soul.